0: Microphone check, one, two, CC, hello and welcome. CC, hello and welcome. One, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go, rolling. Hello and welcome to another episode. This one's episode eight of the documentary Life a show where we set out to inspire and educate each and every one of us on how to best lead and live our own documentary lives. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and you may notice that I have a, uh, well, I may sound a little differently this week. That was due to a severe respiratory issue. I'll get into that in a little bit, Um, but you'll have to forgive me because, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to sound a little differently. I have... Definitely been under the weather the past couple of weeks, but you know what? There was no way I was gonna, I was gonna let this pass by and uh, and miss an episode for you guys. Uh, it's important that I keep this commitment, so so here I am. In fact, it's actually it's really kind of the first, the first time I've been out of the house um, with any sort of dur- in with any sort of duration. So bear with me, and I appreciate y'all coming back and listening to another episode of the Documentary Life. Before we get into today's topic, which is going to be about how to finish the film, I'm actually going to tell you a little bit of a story about really what put me where I am today in this sort of uh, state of non-health at the moment. <laughs> about five years ago, I was living in a tiny apartment here in Portland, Oregon, and if anybody's Um, spent time here I'm sure I have a number I know I have a number of listeners who live here they know it can be pretty damp and wet throughout a big chunk of the year and when you're living in a tiny studio apartment and you're living in this sort of weather and you're in an an apartment building that you know has been constructed say 80 to 100 years ago the walls are virtually just cement and yeah just I was it was constant it was in a constant state of needing to be sort of cleaned up um Yeah, paint would be peeling off of the walls. Like I said, the sort of cement would be chipping off at all times throughout the four or five years that I lived there. Another unfortunate part of living there that would happen in the walls was mold would be growing. And yeah, it did not mix well with me. Um, I had a severe sort of bronchitis esque episode in the final year that I was there during the, I guess the last winter that I was there. And I was laid up in bed for parts of 6 weeks and I uh, man did I feel bad for my neighbors because it's not typical coughing. It was hacking. You would think that when you if you heard me coughing, you would think that I'd been a smoker for 20 to 30 years. And towards that 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 last of the six weeks, I was having to sleep at a 45-degree angle just so I could breathe. My lungs just were not getting a break at all. And I remember distinctly, it was a Saturday night, Sunday morning, and I've woken up or probably haven't really slept much at all to begin with. And I'm coughing all night, all night, hacking and hacking. And it's hurting my chest and it's sore to the point where I'm struggling to catch oxygen. I can't breathe. And at the time I had no health insurance and that's a whole other issue. And so I was bound and determined not to go into the emergency room. I gave up at six in the morning when I couldn't, I could barely breathe. And it was so bad that, (coughs) pardon me, there's a car right there. It was so bad that I had to call a taxi cab because I didn't trust that I would be able to drive to the hospital. And trying to, you know, I'm trying, I'm communicating to the taxi cab driver because I can barely speak because I can barely breathe that, please get me to the emergency room as quickly as possible. And he could see by the look on my face that it was serious business. And so he blew through red lights on the way to dropping me off at the emergency room. Um, Make a long, a long story short, uh, basically what has happened since then is I've, um, I now have this condition where if any sort of agitation is happening, whether it's it's a cold, like a simple cold can bring this on now, um, or if I'm laughing f- at the night before, anytime m- my lungs can get agitated this way and, and I now have to have an inhaler on me during those times or I maybe end up in a position like I'm in now where... Um, it just agitates the lungs so much that I continue to cough and, and it continues to be difficult to breathe. So quite a quite a situation or condition that that I have now. Um, I forget what, exactly what they call it, but I'm not asthmatic, but I things can trigger asthmatic symptoms or conditions in me. So that's a little bit of the backdrop of what in the heck has been going on with me the past couple of weeks and why I almost was unable to do today's podcast. But alas, I'm here, and this is probably the longest already that I have spoken without coughing in almost two weeks. Now, to today's topic. Okay, actually, I'm going to take a little break, take a sip of my, I was going to say tea, but it's not even tea, it's water with some some lemon. So, I'm going to do that, and then i uh, we will get into today's topic. Okay, we are now moving on to today's topic, which is about how to finish the film, and it's inspired by an email um, you might remember a few episodes ago, it was episode, let's see, probably episode four, where an email from a listener had asked um, about about finishing their film. They had, they had shot the film and had been sitting on it for quite some time, and they just seemed Unable to or unmotivated uh, to be able to finish the film for one reason or another, and I've received a couple other emails since then, which has led me to today's show, where I'd love to kind of examine that a little further. Um, And again, this is about today's topic is about how to finish one's film, and the presumption here is that your your film is pretty much shot. It's either it's either you know principal photography is finished or you've shot at least the majority of the footage for the film. So this focuses more on truly how to finish the film in sort of that in that post-production phase or pretty damn close to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to outline five of what I think are some of the best ways to help finish your film. And and let's call these the rules of persistence. So these are the top five rules that I've, I've kind of outlined today for on how to finish, how to help you finish your film. So here are the rules of persistence. Starting with number one, which I call visualizing the finish line. And in our instance, being filmmakers, why not visualize the finish line being the big screen? It's important to visualize. This idea of a finish line, this idea of seeing your film on the big screen. And and you know what? You don't have to visualize it being on the big screen. You might visualize it you might visualize it as video on demand. You might visualize it as being distributed um, for public broadcast consumption. You might visualize it being at a bunch of film festivals, okay? So it doesn't have to be on the big screen. I will use the big screen as an example because it's something that I used to help me when I was doing the Nepal doc, Journey to Kathmandu. It's important to visualize the finish line because if you don't have that idea of what the finish line is, it can become problematic. It can slow you down. You have to have, it's kind of like setting goals, which is going to be another one of our rules of persistence. You, You have to have you have to have a finish line. In, in any sort of race, you have a finish line. In, in, when we trained for the half marathon, when Steph and I were training for the half marathon, even from the first day when we ran our first mile or our first two miles, that f- the first few weeks of training can be the hardest time during that training. But what something I always kept in mind was, yeah, sure, today is a mile or today will be two miles. And it might be a struggle just to get through that. But I know the longer that I do this, suddenly that one mile or two miles will become easier and easier. And the longer that I do this and the farther out that I see, the farther out that I visualize, in, 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 in this example of a half marathon, 13.1 uh, miles, if, if I'm visualizing that, the 13 miles, even while I'm doing the first day of training. I know in my heart of hearts that yes, this is the first day of training. The mile alone, the first mile is difficult, but I know that the longer I do this, the closer I get to that finish line. And so I found for me in filmmaking, when I would visualize the big screen, I visualize sitting in that audience. I, I, I pictured in my mind what the film looked like up on a big screen projecting back to an audience and honestly you know i was i was doing this way before even in some ways before film the filming even commenced in nepal because it was sort of my way for like training, right? It was my way of training for that half marathon in this instance. It was my way of seeing that film through because I wanted to know even early on what that feeling was going to be like because that feeling early on was going to help propel me forward continuously every single day. Visualizing the finish line in this instance in filmmaking, visualizing on the big screen, visualizing it on Um, You know, public broadcast, visualizing it distributed to television, cable TV, visualizing it however you want, but seeing where your film is going to go, it's super, super helpful, and I can't encourage it enough. Visualize that finish line. Number two in the rules of persistence. Number two on how to finish your film is setting goals. You've got to set goals. In this instance, because we're kind of presuming that the majority of the film is shot and maybe you've sat down and you're editing... I'm gonna use the the example of breaking the edit down into chunks. This is something that, that I've done for years, and I certainly did it with Journey to Kathmandu. I did it before that with Year Zero and before that with Bomb Hunters. I'm doing it now with, with our current film project, Elvis of Cambodia. Breaking the edit down into chunks. If you don't, what ends up happening, and this definitely happened with me to Journey to Kathmandu, is I saw, I tried to edit the film, I tried to put it together sort of as a, as a whole instead of breaking it down into smaller, achievable chunks. Because of that, because I tried to edit the whole film at once, it became way, way too overwhelming. And, and, and honestly, I, I, I didn't even realize it for the first probably two years that I was trying to cut this thing. And it I, I was constantly beating my head against the wall or the, or the table, you know, um, and I couldn't figure out what was, what was keeping me from being able to edit in a way that was far more efficient than I appeared to be doing, and at some point, I scrapped the idea of editing the whole film, and I broke it down into chunks. I broke it down into 10-minute uh, segments of the film. And honestly, once I started to do that, once I started to sort of set the goal of, of this week, I'm going to edit this 10-minute segment. This is going to be the segment where the goats are in the mountains, and we meet the goat herders, and we follow the goat herders through the mountains. That This is going to be this 10 to 15-minute segment here. By the end of this week, that segment, that chunk, will be finished. And no sooner did I do that than... Suddenly, a month later, I had you know the majority of the initial assembly edit cut for the film. And honestly, it took me two years to get to a place to come to the decision of, okay, I can't edit this as a whole, as one, as one piece of film. I need to break this edit down into chunks. Once I set those goals, I was golden. Now, number three is recovery time. We all need some kind of recovery time meaning to sit down in this case to sit down in front of your computer and to begin editing and to edit straight through for 10, 12 15 hours a day and to be doing this five six maybe even seven days a week and doing this you know constantly for a month two months three months suddenly a year has gone by and you're and you're constantly editing you're constantly cutting what happens is that you become so consumed with the project that you no longer can see the forest for the trees. If you're constantly working so hard on one thing and you become consumed with this, in this instance, with the story that you're editing, right? If, you're, if you've are if you been consumed with it, say, for six months to a year, and that's all you've done and it's been nonstop, you really risk being able to have any sort of perspective. You need to take a break. You need recovery time. Um, in the game of hockey, you have line changes, right? There's four lines in a game of hockey. There's a reason that 30 seconds is generally your max for your top line and a line has to come off and you do a line change and the next set of guys come come out. And then there's recovery time. You have probably a minute and a half before you're gonna come out and do your line again. There's a reason for that. You need a break before you can come out and then you can perform perform optimally once again. You've gotta have time to recover. In film, in filmmaking, it's no different. Uh, you remember I talked in episode three with filmmaker John Perosi, the director of the film Don't Think I've Forgotten. Uh, you might remember in our conversation, Perosi talked about another film called Sleepwalking Through the Mekong, which he did in the middle of filming Don't Think I've Forgotten, a film that took him years to finish. And he needed a break. And in in sort of his way of taking a break was to create another smaller, totally different project during the time that he was working on Don't Think I've Forgotten. That small project was sleepwalking through the Mekong. I do recommend it highly. Of course, Don't Think I've Forgotten. We've already talked about in the show. Recommend that as well. My point here is John needed some recovery time, right? And that was his way of getting some recovery time. So I can't tell you how important it is to make sure that you build in some kind of rest. It's, you know, this, this happens in life all the time in any sort of different ventures. If you don't have some sort of recovery time or some sort of plan to get some sort of rest and to sort of break things up a little bit, then you totally lose perspective. And it's only going to hurt your film in the end. Number four, kill the distractions. And I know that a great number of all of us uh, from time to time sort of have this problem. So kill the distractions. um, It could be anything from the internet it could be the TV. It could be just your way of procrastinating so you don't finish your film. There's nothing that's going to keep you from working or finishing your film more than than distractions. And they're everywhere around us. Um, we might want to watch a hockey game or football game. We might want to... Uh, play some some games with our friends. We might wanna go out and socialize, which of course, we have to. We have to have that recovery time. It's important to do that. But when you're doing it all the time, then you're really just filling your life with distractions, right? You're keeping yourself from finishing your film, finishing the task at hand. So it's important to constantly be reminding yourself, what are the best uses of your day? What are the best uses of your time? Uh, there is a a a personal development guy and every once in a while I'll bring up you know personal development because I do think that it has some merit I don't want to push this on anyone by any means um, but from time to time I might bring up somebody in this instance there's a guy uh, by the name of Brian Tracy I don't remember I don't remember the name of this particular, subject or program, but it was something that, that I heard five, six, seven years ago and it totally stuck with me. And it was it was essentially just about how to build out, manage your time. I mean maybe if you Google Brian Tracy best ways to manage your time or something of this. And maybe I'll find out what it is later and I'll I'll post it on the website at the documentarylife.com uh, in, in the show notes. And and basically what he talked about is is he finds ways to break down your scheduling day to day and break down what's important to you and you outline and you label things a b c in order of importance and basically the idea is you don't you don't finish a c task when you can do a b task and you don't finish a task that you've labeled b when you have an a task uh, anyhow look it up it was, it was actually huge for me um it it and 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 basically what it's doing is it's scheduling out your time and it's maximizing your time it's killing the distractions again number 4 is kill the distractions number 5 belief in yourself what is your self image what is your inner dialogue I've hinted on the show about this, that that's something that I've struggled with over the years. I've struggled with it personally, and I've struggled with it professionally, what my own inner dialogue is, what I'm telling myself. Professionally, there have been many times over the years where maybe I see on Facebook or I hear from a a colleague that, you know, another colleague... Is doing this great, you know, great commercial they're working on, or they're doing, you know, they're over in Nicaragua and they're working on this really cool documentary and blah blah blah, and and then suddenly I'm comparing myself. Well, well, how come I'm not in Nicaragua doing the documentary? How, how come I'm not being called to direct this commercial? I can totally do that. And 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 suddenly that inner dialogue becomes a negative thing, and you're talking negative about yourself. And it's important at all times to really. When you see that happening, reverse the course because you have to believe in yourself. It's important what your self-image is. There are many of you out there who are maybe even first-time documentary filmmakers or thinking about delving into the world of documentary filmmaking. And I've said many times, you're not wannabe filmmakers, you're not wannabe documentary filmmakers, and I'll never say that. I'll say maybe you're a first-time filmmaker, but the most important thing is I'm gonna say you're a documentary filmmaker. And you should tell yourself that all the time. And you should never doubt that. That's gonna help manifest these good things. That's gonna help propel you forward. That's gonna help the belief in self. Now I also have listeners who have been working in documentary for 10, 15 years. And I've talked to some of them on this show. And you can tell in the manner that they talk that absolutely they have a belief in themselves and they have a belief in their project. So maybe I'll throw that in there as well. It's important to have a belief in your project because if you don't, then why should somebody else? And, and more importantly, with this whole idea of belief in self, if you have a positive image of yourself, that's what you're going to project to others out in the world. That's what you're going to project onto your work and and yeah there's nothing more powerful than positivity and i preach that all the time on this program again belief in self you know what's your inner dialogue make it make it good stuff make it positive stuff so that's the five rules of persistence those are five ways that i believe can help you finish your film um and certainly when you're in that area of of you're, you, you find yourself stuck and you're not able to move forward in it. I've been there. We've all been there. I've got emails to prove that a number of you guys are be- have been there. This is not an uncommon thing. But I want to see you finish your film. And we've talked about this before. There is, I mean, we had John Perosi on here in episode three and he mentioned it, that not a lot of people finish their film. Filmmaking is not an easy thing to do. And I want to... Maybe this through this program and through the networking and supporting that we have in this program, I want us to all empower us and inspire one another to see our films through. Again, five rules of persistence that I've come up with to finish your film. One, number one, visualize the finish line. Number two, set goals. Number three, recovery time. Number four, kill the distractions. And number five, belief in self. Now, a final thing that I'll say is in filmmaking, in particular in documentary filmmaking, where so much of, of what we do can be on our own at times, especially if you have smaller or minimal you know, budgets at best, the temptation is to go it alone. It really is. So much of Journey to Kathmandu I did on my own to the detriment of, of my health, to the detriment of my well-being, to the detriment of the film, and the temptation is to go it alone. Don't, don't do it. Reach out, seriously, reach out. Find someone who will hold you accountable. And I did this in, you know, Journey to Kathmandu at a pretty integral part, uh, year three of the editing of that. I brought in a a, um, a very uh, good friend and mentor of mine, Bird McDonald, and he gave me some advice after watching a version of a rough cut, probably like the eighth version of a rough, rough cut at that point. And and it was huge what he told me. It freed me from some of the shackles that I had built over the course of three years by doing the film just on my own, by editing it only myself. Um, without his few words of very powerful advice, I might not have broken out of that or it might have taken two or three more years. Who knows? Find someone who will hold you accountable. Find someone who can... Just even offer a word of of encouragement. And you know, this could have been another rules of persistence. I don't know. This was just an add-on that I thought of while I was recording this because it was super super helpful for me and I hope that it'll help you avoid some pitfalls. So again, the temptation is to go it alone naturally, especially when we're doing these doc projects and especially if they're lower budgeted, but don't do it. Surround yourself with people who can give you encouragement and some insight along the way or just a pat on the back, even just some encouragement. It can be super, super helpful. All right, I made it through it. Thank you for bearing with me, and as always, thanks for coming out and listening to the podcast again. Without your, without your encouragement, without your emails, without your, um, without your energy, without you listening to this show, it doesn't exist. Again, thank you so much and if you get a second and a few of you have been doing this now and it's it's actually helping our increase our numbers and our visibility on iTunes go to iTunes or your podcast app and go ahead and give us a five star rating if you if you like our show and write a quick review it'd be it'd be very helpful for us i mention it at the end of every show and if you live listen to other podcasts they do the same but there's a reason for that so um and then that reason is it increases our visibility it increases the potential for our listenership and i need that so um that would be I would be super grateful if you could do that. Thanks again for listening to The Documentary Life. I hope that this has been another episode that has helped inspire and educate you a little bit more on how to best lead and live a documentary life. If you'd like some more information on any topics of the show, if you need to go back into the catalog and listen to some 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 past episodes, go to the documentarylife.com website. It's all there, all of the episodes. The blog is there as well. Um, show notes, and yeah, anything else. And, and also, you can email me directly at chris at barangfilms.com, chris at barangfilms.com, or if you go to the website, you can subscribe there and or or write to me from the website. Any of your thoughts, any of your ideas, anything you want to share with me on how I can make this show better for you and better for our audience. I, I love to hear those suggestions. Please, by all means, constructive criticism is highly encouraged. Also, if you've got some stories, some filmmaking stories that you wanna share that you think would, would help educate or inspire other listeners, please send that, send that. So again, the email is chris at barongfilms.com or if you go to the website, thedocumentarylife.com, there's a way to send a direct message from there as well. Thanks again and I can't wait to talk with you guys again in two weeks.